Welcome to the Good Divorce Show. Not every divorce needs to end in disaster. It's time to see divorce in another perspective. Here to help with that is your host, Karen McNinney. Well, hello, listeners. Thank you so much for joining me again uh, today on The Good Divorce Show. I am your Good Divorce Coach, Karen McNenny. Very grateful to have a long-time expert in the field of family law. Susan Meyer joins us today from Houston, Texas. She has been in the practice of family law for over 40 years past president of the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers, which gave her a unique perspective on the practice of family law around the country. She is a perpetual student of human behavior. Um, Curious, why did they marry? Why did they not? What are the struggles that they bring? Um, And who are they as they end the relationship, as well as exploring all the details in between? Welcome to the show, Susan Myers. Thank you, Karen. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Yes. I think... Uh, maybe both of us have run into this question at the cocktail party of why do you want to work with divorced people? Uh, that just sounds like a, a terribly heavy journey. And yet you and I both share this this calling and this delight. Tell us a little bit about what brought you into the practice and, and what has kept you in it for so many decades. Well, Karen, what brought me in was a complete accident. Uh, it was not my intention in law school that, oh boy, I can't wait till I'm a family lawyer because it really wasn't discussed. The firm I worked with started doing some cases, and one thing led to another, and I was quickly board certified, and I have never looked back. I have enjoyed practicing for these years, primarily because it's rewarding, and it's rewarding not just financially, because that's very mercenary, but it's rewarding because I get to I get the pleasure and the honor of participating in how people resolve their differences however they choose to resolve it. Mm. And there is a lot of different pathways. And I think for folks out there listening who don't know that there are options and there are possibilities and that every family and every client is unique, part of what Susan's going to share with us is some uh, insight around a path that you might choose. In terms of client-centered work, you have this theory around an iceberg and that each and every divorce is like an iceberg. Help us to understand that. Sure. And Okay, so you're familiar with icebergs, frozen water. That is where the similarity in divorces ends. All divorces are like frozen water. We don't know how big it's up at the top because we can't see the whole thing. We don't know what's at the bottom. But think about it. The goal of a divorce is to end the iceberg, to melt the ice. So how do we melt the ice? Some people don't want to. They want to slow that iceberg down. If they could, they'd put it back onto the shelf. Some people want to speed up the iceberg. How do they do that? What's on the bottom of the ocean that's hanging that iceberg up? What's on the sides of the iceberg that might be slowing things down? So there are ways uh, to speed it up. You know, you can do uh, early stage mediations. There's all kinds of tools that are available to clients. And then there are some times where People really need to put a pause on it, and they need Mm. to think through some of their different options. Then we've got third parties. They're going to intervene on that iceberg, like a court system that has deadlines. They need these cases done and out of their system sooner than the clients may want. And they'll send that icebreaker in there, and they'll break up that ice. So there's what's on the bottom, what's on the side, what's on the top. The temperature, as we've all discussed during um, 
our recent uh, climate change discussions. And then what's in the middle? What is in the middle of the iceberg that might be speeding it up or slowing it down? So at frozen water, all connections end. And it really is so client-centered and complexity. We were you know, chatting and reflecting a bit on just how family law has has changed and this perception that it used to be very simple and it's very complex now, but really it's still family-centered. Is that accurate? Well, it can be. So let me give you some examples. When I first started practicing, our family code wasn't a half inch thick. It is now almost two and a half inches thick. And people think it's the process that's complicated. Well, I would argue it's the family systems that are complicated. Back 40 years ago, we didn't have qualified domestic relations orders. We didn't have big discussions about calculations of child support. All of it was a individual case-based. So only when the public drove a demand for more systematic ways to resolve their differences did we start having legislatures put together ways that we're going to process a divorce? But in all of the divorce codes that I am aware of, and some of our states have very complicated family codes, some of them have non-existent family codes, it is, it is always provided in every legal process the option for people to have agreements, despite mm. what some of our judges may say from the bench. We want to encourage people to resolve their differences, whether it's in divorce or corporate dissolution. Right. To take it into their own hands, saying you're writing a story. What is the story that you want to write? Now, you've had a unique perspective through your work with the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers. And, you know, that is a, a serving body across the entire country. Are laws radically different from one state to another Is there benefits in getting married in one state and divorced in another? There's very little benefit in marrying in one state or another, unless you have a premarital agreement and then different states, the way that they would approve of a marital agreement might make a difference where it was formed. What really matters is what state you reside in when you divorce. And we're very, I'm in Houston, Texas. It is one of the most diverse cities in the countries. It great mobility. People are coming and going from around the world and around the country. So if somebody comes from the East Coast, they may be thinking they're looking at lifetime alimony. Well, we don't even call it alimony. It's called spousal maintenance. And we're very limited. I think you could look at the Mississippi River as almost a dividing line of the country. Don't include California because they're just different. After the Mississippi, west of the Mississippi, you've got more of the pioneer stock. Uh, Everybody needs to carry their own weight mentality as far as how those states were formed. So their laws are probably not going to be as generous to the non-outside-the-home earner as the East Coast states are. Uh, And so that's one very classic example. What we do with children varies literally across the board. We have very um, strong presumptions in Texas, which is probably one of the best things that we do. The, if you have to have a custody case, the loser of a custody case gets about 40% of the year. So if the winner gets 60%, how easy it is 
for a lawyer to say, so how much are we going to spend on 10%? Mm, Right. Surely with all these adults, we could figure out a way to carve up that 10% in a way that's better for the kids or not. It's I've already raised a child. I don't need to be raising my clients. (laughs) And speaking of your clients, as we, you know, often here in the good divorce show, we think about the before the during and the after, and there is one piece of deciding to get divorced which I think is a really critical time and often feels like a a purgatory of decision-making and a lot of gnashing of hands and teeth for for many folks, myself included. And then the legal component and then the after, right? There's the being divorced. And particularly if you have children, that's a forever relationship. As you think about folks before they even walk into your office and as they begin this process in the before, where do they often get it wrong in terms of expectation and uh, the journey that they're beginning with each other as they dissolve. Oh gosh, that's there. We're back to the iceberg. It really does depend on the couple. Mm-hmm. I think one place that they would get it wrong is creating expectations in their head and not talking about it. Ah, because for instance. Th- th- I think there's a saying that um, expectations are prema- premature resentments. Uh-huh. I've also heard it said expectation is the first step to disappointment. Right, right. So th- there's also some school of thought, and again, couples are so different. There's a book about uh, the left behind, and it's about relationships. So that the person, if there's one of the couple that's primarily the driver of the divorce, they've mentally gone there. They have processed what they need to process. It's the left behind one that either needs to catch up or they will be slowing that iceberg down. Mm. So when you say couples, it usually starts with one. Someone says, I want a divorce. I'm not happy. Um, Or something bad will happen. An affair is disclosed. Uh, Financial uh, indiscretions are obvious. I mean, all kinds of things can trigger that first decision, that thought, I don't want to live like this. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people don't fully process before they make the decision. So I think it going to a lawyer that doesn't try to hurry you up is some of the best advice you could give a listener. You want somebody that will give information but not encourage or discourage because it really is such a personal decision. Yes. I've heard you um, kind of reference yourself or think of yourself in this process, like a trusted aunt or sister. Well, Oh, now hang on a second. That's only if they ask me for my my opinion. (laughs) Generally speaking, I'm just a lawyer. I'm here to tell you what your options are. I think really good lawyers should give you the full array of the options that you have. And also, not give their opinion unless asked. Because this is something you'll hear me say to all of my clients and anybody that will listen. This is not my life. These are not my children. And this is not my money. Amen. So if you want my advice, I will give you my advice, but I'm going to pretend that I'm you know, an aunt or a sister because my the way I would make a decision could be miles different than how you would. Right. And it's not wrong or right. It's just different. Mm-hmm. 
Well, in those differences, I also know that um, human behavior, the relationship coming in, and we're we're seeing this increase in what you call the silver splitters, people who are who have maybe held on to a narrative for decades and decades and are finally kind of at the at the end. And we haven't talked a lot about what it is to divorce later in life, post-retirement, settlements, um, stability. What have you learned about that particular bracket that would be interesting and relevant for our listeners to be aware of if, if they're out there today thinking, I'm too old to get divorced, but I wish I would have done it 40 years ago, but maybe there's still life on the other side of this bad marriage. In my opinion, there's some value to staying married, even in a less than perfect marriage. Hmm. So unless the pain or discomfort outweighs the benefits, you shouldn't get a divorce. Hmm. Can you say that again, Susan? Okay. If the pain or discomfort of staying married is not greater than the cost of getting a divorce. And I don't mean the financial lawyer part of it. If it's not greater, don't get a divorce. Mm-hmm. You know, the English, at least historically, have had this great process. They just live separately. <laughs> they set up house separately and didn't get a divorce. Mm-hmm. And that's not, it's not really thought of or talked about much in the United States but if if it is so intolerable that the consequence of getting a divorce is better, then you can go talk to a lawyer and get one. I had one woman, um, it's probably one of my stories at cocktail parties. She's about, when she came in, she was about 80 years old. Husband was a few years older. They were not generating money except from their investments. And it wasn't a tremendous amount. He was a higher wage earner. So his social security was going to be higher than hers. But, you know, it was what she said to me. She goes, I don't want to die next to this man. Oh. That It was as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And she didn't have to. And they separated and divorced. Separated and divorced. And, and it fun. was contentious. Even at 80 and 83. Yes, ma'am. Oh. And I think you make such a strong point of recognizing there's the lever and the left, and they're having very different experiences. And the person who got on the train two years ago or 32 years ago, um, that train has left the station and someone else is trying to catch up. And that might've been the case there. And sometimes they're trying to correct what it was that the lever said to them years ago. I need, I want, you must, all those different. And they're like, okay, I'll go to therapy now, or I'll quit spending that or whatever it is that the complaint was about. And if somebody has really made up their mind to leave, I can't get them back into the marriage. I just can't. Right. Do you find yourself sometimes having that conversation with clients come in? Like first, let's just really think about whether divorce is the right answer. Yeah. yeah, I think all competent lawyers should talk about that because the consequence of making a wrong decision, it's like going to surgery. You don't always need surgery or let's, could we postpone surgery? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what, a, what, what else we can do to fix the body. Um, my late friend, he just passed away yesterday, Don Fullenwater, brought to the conversation in one of our family law groups in Houston, 
the issue of depression, and I mean clinical depression. And he found, in a especially with the silver splitters, that there was a component that he hadn't seen before. And one of the new questions that we have started asking is the complaint you have about your spouse, is this a new issue that's come up? Mm. Because sometimes it is a physiological or a mental issue that's creating that different way of behavior. And he shared a story where a woman came in, uh, she was describing her husband's behavior and he had just heard a lecture about something. And he goes, has he been seen by a therapist or a doctor anytime recently? And he advised, you know, I think you should give it, you know, at least a chance. Turns out that he did suffer from depression. The husband got on some medication and they stayed married. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Again, a reminder, every family, every story is different. When we come back from our break today, chatting with Susan Myers, longtime uh, family lawyer, and former president of the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers, lots of wisdom and experience. And we're going to hear some stories that when people got it right, when when they found that heart that brought them to marriage is the same heart and same love of story that we can also bring to our divorces. Some paradigm shifts after the break. Please stay with us, listeners. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Before you call the lawyer, call the Good Divorce Coach. Give your family the gift of working with a certified divorce coach, a co-parenting specialist, and a mediator. Karen McNinney has the knowledge and skills to guide you through the full divorce journey, before, during, and after. It's one thing to get divorced. It's another to be divorced. The Good Divorce Coach will teach you and your partner how to be divorced with less drama, less destruction, and less debt. Visit thegooddivorcecoach.com to get in touch with Karen. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNinney. Have a question for Karen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show with Karen. Hello, listeners across the globe. So happy to have you with us today as we chat with Susan Myers, who has decades of supporting families along the divorce path. And you know, something that as a divorce coach, I I find myself scratching my head with, and, and really what brought me to this work, Susan, is 
we declared our love. We've chose marriage. We've chose children. I always remind my clients, there's a love story in there and you don't actually have to toss it out just because you're divorcing. And this is a real paradigm shift. In fact, oftentimes I tell my clients as they're in that middle messy purgatory, are we in, are we out? How many counselors should we go to? And I always say, I advise you to leave while there is still love. And that is a significant paradigm shift, especially if you still have children that you are going to be not only raising together, but sharing a forever relationship on their behalf as there are graduations and grandbabies and uh, funerals and weddings. So what has been your thinking around, again, this paradox of there was a love story, not everybody wants to destroy each other as they move down the path. And, And what have you found to help navigate folks towards a good divorce? Sure, Karen, there's If you were my client and you came in and you gave some information, I would want to share with you the five tools for conflict resolution. Even if you came into the office, you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to be enemies or I can't stand the thought of him being on the planet. So however you show up, right? There's always going to be five methods. And in Texas, it is a requirement that if an attorney offers collaborative law as an option, it is my duty to give a pro and a con to all the different methods. So let's kind of talk about it at the extremes. So there's the kitchen table discussion, and that's where the couple, both of them have either zero assets and limited children or whatever, and they sit at their kitchen table and on the back of the napkin, write out, okay, you get this toaster, I get this oven, whatever it is that they work out. They can take that to a lawyer or actually in Texas, we've got forms that they don't even need a lawyer and they can go fill it out. Then at the other extreme, we've got full traditional litigation. That's where everybody's got a lawyer. We probably have some expert witnesses. We have done full discovery, which is outrageously expensive in Texas, I can tell you. So there's just like war zone. And that is asking someone wearing a black robe to listen to your story. And it's artificial conversations because we have rules of evidence, we have rules of procedure, all these kinds of things, but we have a process and that person in the black robe will make the decision based on the information in front of him or her. Those are our extremes. And between those two extremes, we've got mediation and arbitration. Mm -hmm. In mediation, it's where a neutral person can go between the two spouses, and it's with or without lawyers. Now, um, in tech, I can say, at least in the Houston area, we do not do uh, group mediations. We tend not to have them in the same room because opening statements turned out that those were very bad for getting solutions. They start in separate rooms, and the mediator goes back and forth trying to find the solution that they can both agree to. Mm-hmm. Mediation can happen at the beginning of a case. It can happen at the end of the case. Arbitration is hiring that neutral. So instead of hiring the black or having the black robe person make that decision, the lawyers and are the parties, and sometimes the contract, like they have marital agreement, will describe we're going to hire this neutral third person and we're going to give them the information. Things that are better about arbitration than court could be that you decide when you're going to have the meet, the arbitration. You pick the dates and the times, not the judge's schedule. Mm -hmm. And unlike going to traditional litigation, I don't have to keep going back and forth to the court. 
making sure that we get heard. Now, with arbitration, that person, based on whatever the rules of the road that are created by the couple and their lawyers, that's how the decision gets made. Downside to that is the appellate process is very limited. So traditional litigation, it is very, very expensive. It's time-consuming, and couples lose control. Lawyers actually lose. Once you walk into the courtroom, the lawyers lose control. At the kitchen table, the pros and the cons, very inexpensive. The con could be is when people think they know how they want things to work out or how they want to process something, and they don't know the legality of it, and they get in trouble. Some of our worst consequences can happen that way. Hmm. Then in mediation, I don't really see a downside of it other than it can be expensive. If one of the couple is so conflict avoidant that they're always caving in, then they may be at a disadvantage in a mediation if they don't have a strong advocate that will put the brakes on and make them really think through before they make a decision. So those are those are the traditional what we've had. But then over the past, I guess it's now 20 years, across the country, a newer way has developed. And it's called collaborative law. And in collaborative law, think of it as a blending of mediation, kitchen table-ish. And with that, instead of being in separate rooms, we're all going to sit at the same table. And if we need experts to come in, because we don't know all about the tax consequences of these values, we don't, we don't know what we don't know. We can bring in neutrals. We could bring in a divorce coach. Often, almost, if it's a high conflict case, we will bring in a divorce coach because it's a better way to help them process what they need to process. Downside to collaborative law, because there's really no, like arbitration and mediation, the couple decides when we're going to meet, how mm -hmm. long we're going to meet, what's the agenda for the meeting. There's homework. I think professionals that enjoy that work enjoy collaborative because there's generally no surprises. Right. I, use, I charge very low retainers because we're going to talk about fees. Mm -hmm. we're, everybody is transparent, and it only works when people are willing to be transparent. Um, the downside to that, there's no. it's not necessarily cheaper right? Because it depends on how many meetings you might have. Sure. The The collaborative law process, the downside that, that needs to be talked about is if they have engaged in the collaborative law practice and procedure, the lawyers, if an impasse is called by either of the clients, needs to step back and we cannot go to litigation. Right. Now, now Karen, let me, let me talk a little bit about that because there's a lot of lawyers who don't want to lose that work or there might be clients out there who don't want to lose the work that was done. And I'm here to tell you that it doesn't happen. It makes lawyers really have a paradigm shift. When they because, know from the beginning, we won't be going to court. Right. I will, you will never hear me say, well, if we went to court, it wouldn't happen that way. Aha. Uh -huh. Because that's not an option. It is for couples who truly, from the beginning of their decision, to end their relationship, they want to sit in the same pew when their kids get married. Yes. They want to be in the stands with their new significant others when their grandchildren graduate. 
just a beautiful journey. And so often I know as a divorce coach, I ask clients when we begin, what do you want? And I'm not talking about the tangible things. I'm talking about the story. What do you want to see? Where do you want to be in relationship to this person who you married, who you declared a love to, and that you don't have to flush it all away. There are these other beautiful options. Well, and Karen, it's not only with collaborative law. There are kitchen table couples, mediation couples, and even traditional litigation couples that will still be in the same pew because the story doesn't end at the divorce. Isn't that the truth? When we come back from our second break, we're going to talk about that sort of after after the divorce. But before we move on, I, I wanted to check in with you and see if there were some stories you would highlight of when you've seen couples really bring their generous, generous heart, bring them best selves, the, the surprising moments as a divorce lawyer that would provide some hope and inspiration for those that are listening who want to find a kinder, less destructive path. Sure. I think one of my favorite, and I share it with clients who are in the office. Oh, Karen, it must have been, could have been 30 years ago now. And both of the uh, couple uh, were professionals and they both had very demanding jobs. They discussed before they went to lawyers and I I think they had previously kind of worked out how they wanted to process the divorce. They were going to have one of them hire a lawyer, draft up an agreement and then get that an agreement so that the non-hiring party could show it to a lawyer to make sure that the agreement matched what they thought. And this couple, they were so intent that they were going to continue to co-parent. And this is before joint managing and servitorship was a term. This is long before collaborative law was thought of. This was a unique couple who from the get-go knew how they wanted the rest of their history to look like with this family. And they create, they even mapped out in a Houston map You couldn't live above this line. You couldn't live east of this line. You couldn't live west and south. So they, you you could live in this geographic area. And that made sure the kids went to schools that were appropriate for their children. They worked out schedules and it was a shared schedule. The judge had a hard time understanding what they were doing because it was so unusual. Oh, wow. And, And in that particular case, so fast forward. They both remarried. They had other children. And I received, when when that second marriage ended for my former client, it too ended in a very respectful, honorable way. I asked her to please write a letter that I then sent to, I don't know if I still have it, that I sent to all of the judges because our judges don't hear the good stories. Our judges just hear the conflicts. And they needed to see that really good parents will never be seen in their courtrooms. Isn't that the truth? We have this very negative narrative within our society that divorce is going to screw up your children. Divorce is the worst thing you can do to your children. But honestly, I'm of the thought that it's not the divorce itself. It's the adults involved in the divorce that have the long lasting impact. Has that been your experience? Uh, It is absolutely my experience. And I often will ask a client, so you're role modeling for your child how to deal with conflict. What do you think this behavior is teaching them? Oh, 
well, that'll put you right in your seat. Mm -hmm. well, or, or when they're doing things really well, you're being a great role model for your children, how to deal with a relationship that isn't working in a mm -hmm. way that's honorable, that they'll be able, you know, do you really want the first thing that your child says to a therapist? Well, when my parents divorced, yes. because and, they're, my therapist friends will say that is often the first thing that comes out of their mouths, mm -hmm. the adult children that would be sure. Sure. It's a, a wonderful story that you share of these this pioneering couple. I think it's becoming more common. It's certainly the work that you and I and other professionals are committed to. Uh, but on the other extreme, it might be worth just highlighting uh, the cautionary tale, the fighting over the Tupperware tales, where you really sit there and think to yourself, why and how did we possibly end up here? Can you unpack one of those moments sure. for us? Sure. But the Tupperware one, I have to tell you, it was said when they were fighting over the Tupperware, it was said in front of both lawyers. Simultaneously, we reached for our wallets and said, I will pay for that Tupperware. <laughs> So they they literally were fighting over the they Tupperware. They were they were fighting over probably used Tupperware, and you're like, you got you got to be kidding. I've and had clients who said I would rather spend money on you than give it to my spouse. Ouch! Yeah. Do you have a theory? Where does that come from? That kind of vitriol and anger and hurt that that puts us toe to toe as enemies. You know, Karen. I think there's still a lot of it out there that is driven by society's rage mm. because there is a lot of rage out there and mm -hmm. a lack, what I think of as just common courtesy and decency. Mm -hmm. And if they've seen it go unencumbered out in the world, it's easy for them to bring it into the relationship of divorce. And then sometimes it's just how they are. You know, that joke sure. about the scorpion and the frog? Yes. It's just their nature. It's their nature. And wherever you go, there you are. There you, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when I've got a client who asks, well, when will he or when will she or why can't she, can't you make her or all these other very bizarre questions. I'm like, you've been married to her for 25 years. Have you had really good success with making her do something? <laughs> oh, so true. I, I remember even in my own journey being frustrated about something and a friend just saying, Karen, your ex-spouse is the same person as your spouse. I don't know why you think that there's going to be a radical change in behavior or nuances in your relationship. And so the work really becomes how to create this new relationship, the, the divorced relationship. Right. And there are those who escape the future chapter because they don't share businesses or property or children. Uh, but a large majority of folks have a story that goes beyond the courthouse. And when we come back from the break, we're going to hear from Susan Myers. Our expert, uh, our expert witness today, our, our wise woman of Texas, to tell us a little bit about how we can think about the next chapter, the after the divorce is complete in the court, and, and to hear some of the stories of the afterglow. Stay tuned. 
Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Before you call the lawyer, call the Good Divorce Coach. Give your family the gift of working with a certified divorce coach, a co-parenting specialist, and a mediator. Karen McNinney has the knowledge and skills to guide you through the full divorce journey, before, during, and after. It's one thing to get divorced. It's another to be divorced. The Good Divorce Coach will teach you and your partner how to be divorced with less drama, less destruction, and less debt. Visit thegooddivorcecoach.com to get in touch with Karen. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNinney. Have a question for Karen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show with Karen. Hello, and welcome back to The Good Divorce Show, where we help families find a path that is less destructive, filled with more compassion and understanding as you think about these forever relationships that you may have with your former spouse or soon-to-be former spouse. Today, I am chatting with expert Susan Myers, who has been practicing family law in the Houston area since 1982. Uh, Myers and Associates was established in 2011. She has been certified by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization as a family law specialist since 1988 and has been named to the annual list of Texas super lawyers every year since 2006. Susan is also a past president of the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers. Susan is accustomed to utilizing all forms of dispute resolution in her practice. We heard about many of these earlier in the show today from supporting clients who've worked out their agreements, our kitchen table agreements, um, all the way to mediation, arbitration, collaborative law, and even traditional litigation, choosing the approach that is best for each individual client. I also appreciate that Susan is really committed to staying abreast of mental health issues that intersect with family law, including mood disorders, high conflict personality disorder, addiction, abuse, prevention use. Um, Her strength is really being able to see options and alternative plans to achieve the realistic goals of her clients. But there are some people who decide we're going to avoid divorce altogether by not even getting married. You have a phrase for this. Uh, The perils of playing house. Yes. is what we call it here in the office. Uh, you know, the divorce rates going down, except for silver splitters, their divorce rates going up. Oh, how and interesting. And, and Karen, it's not because people are staying married. They're not getting married. That's uh-huh. the reality. So, and maybe these are the children of divorced couples who are like, I do not want to suffer what my parents did. And they're deciding to play house. 
So it is just the opposite of what the 1950s families did. They start going steady and they move in together. Mm -hmm. They may buy a house. They'll have a couple kids or more. They'll start their careers, all kinds of things. So it looks like they're married, perhaps, but they're not. They're intentionally not marrying. Mm -hmm. And then guess what? Those same relationships also end. So the marriage ceremony itself does not end the relationships. The problem is we don't have a set of rules of what we do to disentangle all the things that the playing house folks are doing. In the family code or in our court systems around the country, we've got a system one way or the Mm -hmm. other. Mm -hmm. In this other non-married world, we have to patch together. I think we talked about it earlier. It's very similar to what we did with couples, same-sex couples, before they could legally marry. Sure. And we had to figure out how do we untangle these houses? How do we untangle car titles? All kinds of things that were important to the couple. And there's usually a lot of discord and discomfort. Do you find actually couples that don't have the legal marriage that there are greater challenges? That this is a a myth that we're going to bypass? Should we ever? (laughs) Okay. If the couple are both high wage earners or or equally high wage earners. Mm-hmm. And there is a shared understanding for kids. And maybe they even have some contracts about ownership of the assets that they're both investing in. So if you treat it like a business and you paper it like you would a business, a, 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 tra- a financial transaction, they're just fine. But that's not what these people do. They will get together Somebody will decide to stay home and raise some children, not earning things back in the workforce. So all of those employee benefits that that one person's earning, there's no sharing. If the house is titled in one of their names under Texas schemes, we look at who who made the contributions. So we're trying to figure out where where the checks that paid the mortgage. Well, if you had an agreement, I'll take care of the mortgage, you take care of the utilities, that can really mess up the equation. And the injustices that can happen because we have these other laws, real property laws, title ownership, those kinds of things, how they intersect with these playing house couples, it can wreck devastating results, particularly oh. for the non-wager. I mean, it's devastating. Mm. Mm. So let that be a lesson to our listeners. <laughs> and I've heard people say, well, you know, the number one cause of divorce, Karen, is marriage. And yet this construct of marriage also has purpose and value, not only to the marital relationship, but also for those that then may find themselves getting untangled. And you seem to have a very sophisticated, client-centered approach so that you can help settle down the nerves, help people understand, and even speaking to clients differently depending on who's sitting in front of you. Correct. You know, we are creatures of comfort in that we need to understand. We want to know what's going to be next. Mm -hmm. So a constant question is, what's the path? What's next? What's the average? So Mm -hmm. there's one way that I like to explain the paths to get to the end of the iceberg. There's 
depending on who's in front of us, if they are scientifically based, I'm probably going to go to a brain analysis. If they're not scientifically based, we're going to talk about trees. So let's say that you are an engineer with Exxon. I'm going to give you the example of, okay, go go to your brain and remember all the maps that you've seen on the diagrams with all the synapses. And there's, it looks like some sort of uh, tougher than spaghetti. It's a very tangled spider web. Well, I can get to one side of the spider web many, many ways. There is no limit to how I get to the other side of the spider web. So that's one way that we can help people think. You can, you can decide your own path if you want, but if the other side, who's also got that web going, decides a different path, we'll just stay in the web for a while. If you're not scientific, let's say you come to me and you are a school teacher uh, of elementary school. I might give the example I do of a live oak tree. So in Texas, we have live oaks. They're everywhere. And they have these giant uh, network of roots. They have a giant wet network of their, their upper branches, their canopy. And I can get from one side of that, not me, I guess squirrels, could get from one side of that tree to the next <laughs> side of the tree, many different branches and, and twigs and leaves and all kinds of things. And if I'm under the ground, one of the cool things about live oaks, they feed each other. So I can mm -hmm. get all kinds of places, usually on a, a smaller scale, if I think of myself as a live oak. And that's why how I try to bring to clients, you can make some decisions about how you want to process this, but it's not just us. We've got the other side. We've got a court system. We, we have to look at it in a, I don't want to say in a holistic manner, but it really is holistically. It's a big picture. We've got you and your spouse and we might have children. We may have, we've got grandchildren. We've got aunts and uncles and all neighbors, friends, mm -hmm. mutual friends. It's, it is a complex web that one person's decision shouldn't be taken in a vacuum. How do you help families to just tap down some of those fears or heighten because the children and money become the thing that we, we, we see scarcity. We don't see abundance so often. Karen, I think that we as humans are driven by fear in all of our decisions. Mm -hmm. We fear losing what we have or we fear not getting what we want. Mm. So if we can talk about and provide information that gives a realistic view of what's possible, that can help. The financial piece is so often the other big part of fear. And I know certainly where I live in Western Montana, we have lots of new Texan neighbors, <laughs> people coming our way. And my clients are held hostage by a really tight real estate market, high interest rates. So often when we leave a home, we're required to refinance um, changing what might be the overhead, splitting into two homes can be financially really devastating. And again, how do you help families navigate that it's not just your bucket and their bucket, it's still a healthy family bucket of resources to support these children? I guess the reality um there may be some listeners out there where there won't be enough. Yeah. 
and moving in with parents or friends uh, may be the option that they need to consider. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, we look at should we sell this massive house? And they both have the consequence of a divorce. So it certainly makes you a little bit more empathetic when you're thinking about, well, now we're going to take the giant house and we're going to divide it in two. The equity in it is XYZ. And that's what we have. So that um, well, we did one where we had a big bucket in a retirement packet. The earner was going to continue working. The non-earner of that retirement packet had an option of removing money from it. But there was a giant tax consequence. Mm-hmm. So we did the math and because everybody, the the there was a house, but it had very little equity. So that wasn't really a mover in the decision. What we created uh, in a mediation was we gave the non-earner a big chunk of that employee benefit. And we've, we created a duty back to the earner to give some cash so that they could go get a house. Okay. So we did what the, the company could not allow because they needed to protect the company. So we, we, we made it so that everybody could have a house. So there's that option. But if you're talking later in life, you're, you're immigrants to Montana from Texas, um, they may not be earning more money to try mm-hmm. to make that happen. Mm-hmm. But we look for other sources that might work. Um, some of our high wealth clients have their investments in companies where they can borrow against themselves and they have low interest rates. Okay. So sometimes just asking, what can we do? Some of them have wealthy families that might be able to loan the money at a more realistic interest rate. Mm-hmm. So if if we can stop thinking that the banks or the um, savings and loans, if there are any of those anymore, are the only way to borrow money. We have to be creative. And as you said, there are some couples where there are not those options available and actually a very kind of where we started this conversation to really ask yourself, can I afford to get divorced? Can I afford this life on the other side of a divorce realistically? And that's if you're the one that's leaving, right? You may be the one that's left behind and the courts don't solve all problems. They just, we just can't. Sometimes Mm -mm. it is an unjustness Mm -hmm. that um, I, I just don't have the tools to fix. Mm -hmm. How do you keep your sense of humor or maybe pull back the screen when lawyers get together and, and talk about their work because you have to be able to have some levity and resilience in order to stay in these sometimes difficult conversations. Yeah. I'll tell you, one of the drivers for me is the relationships that I have with other family lawyers and the wisdom that they share and the lifting that they will give you when you've had one of those horrible days. Um, I, I mentioned Don Fulmwater. He gave me advice long ago about making sure the other side of my brain is used. He had recommended doing art or music or something where it really does force you to do something different so that you get fed. I did a presentation a couple of weeks ago with the executive director of the Young Center here in town, but we talked about secondary trauma 
we talked about compassion fatigue, and we talked about decision fatigue. And those are real things that affect us. But if you know it, kind of like if you know this trauma is happening in your marriage, knowledge gives you the tools for solution instead of finding some unhealthy way to deal with it. Sure, it comes as no surprise to you. Family lawyers have a very high incident of uh, depression, alcohol abuse, drug abuse. Yeah. Mm. Well, as we continue to amplify stories of the good divorce, hopefully we can change that not only for families going through divorce, but also the professionals supporting those families. And again, to reiterate, a good divorce doesn't mean that it's easy, that it's free of pain and hardship. Um, in your words, you would say it just means that it's free of cruelty and and destructiveness. What else comes to mind And as you think about how to advise others of just what can get us closer to a good divorce outcome? Remember when you were planning on getting married and it consumed your day, the planning, the strategy, the invitations, the decisions, all that stuff just completely absorbed your life. So does the divorce. Yes. And so my parting words of wisdom, I don't know if it's wisdom or not, but it's just a technique. Compartmentalize. When I've got a client that is just racketed with anxiety is I give them commands. You are not allowed to think about this divorce or work on it more than X hours per day. And on certain days, I'm you're not allowed. So when that thought comes into your brain about what's he doing, what she's thinking, whatever that is, you go, thank you for sharing. We will deal with you at six o'clock. Oh, that's or great. I've already, I've already given you my time today. You have to wait till tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then tools for communication. Uh, Bill Eddy does fabulous work yes. about compartmentalizing so that your trauma, if it is trauma, of dealing with something when you're not ready to deal with it, bake, in, bake your cushion so that you are protected because divorce is hard. Even the good ones are hard. That's right. That's right. Oh, such, it is wisdom, Susan Myers, all of it. Just such a delight to have you on the Good Divorce Show, reminding people in the Houston area and beyond that they can find you online at the HoustonDivorceFirm.com. It is Myers and Associates out there for many decades, over 30 years, supporting not only families, but also the industry and other professionals such as yourself. Thank you so much for taking time to speak with me today and to our listeners. Thanks for tuning in. We will be here each and every week through Voice America and all the podcast platforms, The Good Divorce Show. And remember, everything will be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Good Divorce Show. We hope today's episode has helped you find a kinder, more sensible, and less expensive path through the divorce journey. Until we talk again, have a beautiful week.